Welcome to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ, hosted by Personal Responsibility Recovery. Join the conversation. Call or text now at 512-836-0590. Now, here's your host, Mark Myers. And welcome to the Recovery Hour, uh, brought to you by Personal Responsibility Recovery. Of course, I'm Mark Myers and our host, Dr. Kirby Stewart, um, we have a, a great guest in here today, Chris Gates, part of our uh, part of the recovery community, uh, one of the professionals in the recovery community. And, you know, for those uh, just hearing us for the first time, the Recovery Hour is brought to you by Personal Responsibility Recovery. We're a very small 12-bed substance use disorder clinic uh, or treatment center, I should say. And the goal with the Recovery Hour each week is to be a resource for our community. Um, the leading cause of death now in the 18 to 45-year-old range is uh, substance use, accidental uh, opioid overdose. And you know, I claimed 120,000 lives last year, according to the CDC. And, you know, sadly, that number is going up. And when you add in the effects of alcohol and the effects of other substances and the opioid, we just, we've got a crisis that no one really wants to talk about. We hear it in the headlines and then it goes away. We hear it and it goes away. And, and you know, it, it's the elephant in the room that, that you know, we want to talk about. We want to we wanna teach it to dance, put it in the middle of the room, hang a light from it, whatever we can do, stigmatize and normalize conversations about substance use. The Substance use disorder, as is, is Dr. Kirby so eloquently explains, Dr. Stewart, I, I know him as Dr. Kirby. That's the world fine. knows him. That, there there we go. Dr. Kirby works. That's just great. Yeah. <laughs> that just works. You there, can call me Doc. I, you know, yeah, I was Doc known works. as Doc before I ever went to med school. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Either one. But <laughs> that's a story for another day. <laughs> that's a story for another day. Uh, a whole other day. Exactly. Yep, I had a pretty yep. good fastball. That's where it started. But. Well, you know, <laughs> the, the whole point of our show, though, is to be a resource. If you feel like you're affected by substance use, it it's a mental disorder. It's uh, it's on the DSM. It's it's a it's a classified disorder. And sure. It's yeah. not a moral failing. It's not bad judgment. It's not bad decisions. Now, I will make all three of those while experiencing substance use disorder. But the reality is is we need to do a better job of talking about it and talking about what treatment looks like and. And giving resources, and that's what we want to do today. And that's and, right. That, yeah. And you know, we keep saying we want to normalize conversations about it, but the the point is that we want to make it easier for people to ask for help. Absolutely, that's the bottom line. And uh, we also, you know, today I I'm really excited to have Chris on the show uh, with us because back in the day when I first uh, started asking for help myself. Chris was one of the people who very deeply influenced me uh, a couple of decades ago, actually. And the reason that Chris influenced me in a rather unique way is that he didn't so much talk about recovery as an avoidance of bad stuff. He talked about recovery as an embracing of good stuff. And I, that, really, that really influenced me, and I, I want to put that message out to our listening public uh, as much as possible because the, the, the change that comes about in one's life as they enter recovery is, is rich and rewarding, and, and uh, Chris is a, a very articulate spokesperson on behalf of that. Uh, 
And, and I, I think so that ties together. In. It ties with what you guys are saying. It's like we want people to, to be able to ask for help. Yeah. But part of what makes someone want to ask for help is believing that there's something better waiting. And most people don't know that. I mean, it's like still, all these years later, like everybody knows what addiction looks like, but nobody knows what recovery looks exactly. like because of the anonymous part. Like people just all don't right. know what it looks like. Yeah. And like I always say, like, Everybody remembers 20-plus years ago Robert Downey Jr. in and out yeah. of jail and treatment centers and stuff like that. And now everybody knows he's Iron Man, but nobody knows much what about happened? what happened in between, right? Yeah. And, and that's true for lots of people. And it's like being able to put that what happens, you know, being afraid to go back to drinking and using might get you to want to ask for help, but it won't keep you around for long. Exactly. Yeah. Got to start getting excited about what's waiting out there, and That's and right. so yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's yeah. I, I back in the day, I, I learned about behavioral psychology and B.F. Skinner and those guys, and we learned from their experimentation that avoiding a negative will only motivate you for a fairly short period of time. But pursuing a positive could last your whole lifetime. Well, and it's also the, a real misunderstanding of the, the real nature of when substance use disorder shifts over into addiction. Because it's not just like, avoiding using drugs and alcohol. is ignoring the fact that I was using drugs and alcohol not just because I liked being high, but because I was, I was using them to solve the problem of existence for me. There you go. And unless yeah. I can find something else that solves the problem of being me, I'll have to go back to what I know. And yeah. and I'm going to invite anyone to join this conversation. Uh, it's kind of kicked off lively already, which is great. Yeah. You know, News Radio uh, KLBJ uh, 512-836-0590. I understand the text thing is not working uh, this evening, but feel free to call in 512-836-0590. Uh, again, the, the goal of this show is to answer questions, um, act as a resource in the community. We, it's not just about us. We're a, we're a phenomenal treatment center. I say that all the time, but we also know all of the other treatment centers, where to go, how to get help, where to detox, uh, what it looks like when you need to come in. Any of those questions, we've got, uh, fortunate to have two of the best guys in the business sitting across from me here in this this little control room so it uh yeah that's that's kind of what we want to get after here a little bit and i don't hide my anonymity um or, or again yeah. i've i've been in recovery <laughs> for 38 plus years most and, of and, my life is a matter of public record well yeah. exactly i mean it's you well can look it up the best thing, yeah, well best documented thing, best thing anybody could know about me is i'm not that dude anymore so, I, we, and it's funny too because like I mean, I grew up here, and I played music here, and I have a lot of friends from here. Yep. But those people didn't see me between about 1990 and 1998 when I got sober, especially 94 to 98 when I moved back to Austin from Los Angeles. They just didn't see me because uh -huh. the people I was around, like those people weren't going to likely to run into me <laughs> with what I was doing. And like because they didn't see me, who I am today kind of makes sense based on who they knew when I was in my 20s. But, like, they don't know how unlikely it is to have ended up where I am today. You know? Kind of a miracle. Yeah. 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 Really is. And, and you know, I have to attribute a lot of that to 
anyone can come into treatment, and uh, I say this all the time, we're going to give you the most amazing bag of tools. Any treatment center is. That's what we do. We show you how to not die from addiction, from substance use disorder. But the whole showing you how to live afterwards, to quote Patrick Hensley, uh, that's a that's a whole different journey, and uh, that's what recovery looks like. And you know, it's, it it has been an amazing journey. I know it has for you, and and yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. And in a town like Austin, you know, like like there's a lot of really good recovery here because there's a lot of drugs and alcohol. It's like the Austin's new city motto is Austin. Where average drinkers drink more than average, and <laughs> and, and, and you know, so it's like because of everything that's available in that live music capital of the world, there's also a lot of really good recovery, and and most people think that you know, well, I used to go do all this stuff, but I can't do it anymore because now I can't drink anymore. But like, I'm a musician; I had to go start playing again, but with the right tool set. It's not a challenge at all. You know, the only time I've been asked to leave Antones, I had five years sober <laughs> and uh, was just jamming to, to Albert Collins. What can I say? But <laughs> it, you can have a lot of fun in recovery. We're coming up on a, on a break here in just a minute. Uh, again, uh, 512-836-0590. That's to uh, join the conversation. And we're going to be back here after uh, after a break, and we'll, uh, I think, kind of dive into, I don't know, when, when do you seek recovery? What does that look like? We've got a, a few different things to talk about this afternoon. And again, 512-836-0590. We'll be right back. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And welcome back to the Recovery Hour with uh, I'm Mark Myers, of course, our host, Dr. Kirby Stewart. Uh, personal Responsibility Recovery. We're the, the small treatment center that just wants to just wants to be better of a resource. Just we want, we want to raise the awareness on the on the whole substance use disorder thing. Having a great conversation with our special guest. Uh, Chris Gates today, you know, 512-836-0590 if you want to join our conversation. Uh, we, were, we were just talking about the, the disease concept. We you know, always say we need to record our breaks because it's like we have our finest stuff in here when the mics aren't on, <laughs> kind of always. But, you know, and, and I, was, I was thinking I'm going to refer to it, you know, as a disease, which, which it is, but a disorder may be a better fit. And, uh you know, it's it's a disorder of, of well, Dr. Stewart, it's a disorder of everything, really. I mean, well, we really start used is. to survive. I mean, yeah. In the last 20 years, we've come to understand certain uh, components of uh, mental functioning as reflected in brain dysfunction that are characteristic of addiction. And just because we can identify certain areas of the brain that are associated with addiction and, and see how they're dysfunctioning, uh, it allows us to call it a brain disorder. I think that's legitimate. Uh, it's also a disorder of heart, uh, a disorder so. of one's capacity to feel. Uh, I, think, I think the worst thing about addiction in my life was that I lost my capacity for compassion and, and thereby became selfish. And I didn't realize I was selfish. I just couldn't connect with other people. So I, I wanted to toss that out to Chris. I mean, we talk about it as a 
a disorder of mind, body, and spirit. But what about the spiritual part, Chris? When And I struggled with that because, like, I don't believe in God and I'm not religious. And, you know, there were periods I was a punk rocker during the Reagan administration, so there was animosity towards organized Everything. religion. But, <laughs> but, but at, at its core, right, I mean, everybody talks body, mind, spirit. But, like, I believe... And I always describe it as like I was I spent years trying to solve this math equation, the problem of Chris. And no matter how many different ways I worked the equation, I couldn't make it balance. And that's because there was a hidden variable. And that hidden variable was spiritual health. Uh I believe every person has a spirit. It's just part of being human. Doesn't have to be anything religious about that at all. It's the thing that that it's the part of me that's not just the meat. That's why the computers aren't sentient. You know, there's there's this piece of me that's my spirit, and I also believe I have spiritual health, just like I have mental health and physical health. Uh-huh. And why that matters is I also believe that my thinking is almost entirely the product of the spiritual health I'm in while I'm thinking. That's key. And then my Very actions much. and my emotions are driven by my thoughts. Yeah. And like, you know, and how that fits into the bigger picture is if, if I've got trauma or I've got a mood disorder, that mm. will limit my capacity for spiritual health. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's not the thing driving my, it's, it, and it's the piece that where the brain chemistry doesn't always make sense. Or we're looking at the things light up, but we can't tell why. And like, yeah. there's a piece that we can't, we don't know how to measure yet. You know, we, yeah. can, we can see it, you know, when people meditate, you can see the difference in their brain. Yes. When they're meditating on a regular basis, but we don't know what's happening there. And, but for me, it's like, I learned some tools because apparently connecting to this source of spiritual power, whatever it may be. Uh, it has rules, and if I could follow the rules, I could stay connected. And then I'm calm, and I don't have anxiety. And I don't ha- my fight-or-flight system calms dis- down. Calms calms down, down. And disengages. Yeah. And, and, and then I can think more clearly, and I can act more clearly. And I have the resources. Not only do I not need the drugs and alcohol anymore because the problem I was trying to solve has been solved, by mm-hmm. this other thing that's not a problematic solution. But it also gives me the resources, once I've been sober for a minute, to start being able to have the courage to try and build a big, cool life. Yeah. A big, cool life. A Tell big, cool life. <laughs> I want one. <laughs> yeah, right. I have one. <laughs> I didn't get sober just to be sober. Exactly. And an awful lot of, you know, an awful lot of folks in the recovery community, had they not had struggles with drugs and alcohol, their social life in their 40s and 50s, would have revolved around events at their church. And it would have been a quiet life. And there was nothing wrong with that. It's just not what I ever wanted. Yeah. And so you know, I've got to figure out how to use these tools to go build a big, cool, exciting life, how to go play music again, how to tour the world, how to start new careers, how to be dateable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, fortunately, well, by same By dateable, tools. you don't mean like an expiration date. Yeah, yeah, no. no. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> how to have a relationship that doesn't start in heat and end in flames. You know, <laughs> you know like every two years I got to give away half my stuff. You know, like, uh, the, the, we're joking around a lot. That's funny. Every two years. <laughs> I, I, I've been married for 117 years, but that relationship started well into recovery. Yeah, mine too. And, and that, uh, yeah. Is, two is, years of constant work with a guy who knew how to do the work in this area. Exactly. Led me to the marriage I have now where I've been married to my beautiful bride for 17 plus years. and We've never even had an argument. And it's amazing. Wow. And I think, yeah. Dr. Not Kirk, because Not because we're saints, but because we know how to leave the room when the other person's being <laughs> there. <laughs> and Dr. Kirby, you've talked so many times about how important connection is. 
And uh, in, in fact, our, our one of our mission statements is that PR Recovery wants to provide the connections necessary for physical, emotional, and spiritual growth. And, and really, recovery to me is about a lot of those connections. It's about being able to have the spiritual health, to have that connection, to it's, have the trust, to have family connections, to, yeah. to rebuild it's those connections. It's what you were saying earlier. It's like, I don't... It turns out when I'm disconnected from this spiritual whatever it is, um, I'm also disconnected from you and the planet and everything else. Like I can't feel you. It's why a lot of people end up using alone because at least when they're by themselves, the disconnection and loneliness makes sense. Yeah, Being in a room full of people and feeling disconnected from all of them is miserable. It is. And so we just don't do it, you know, especially if it's people who care about us. But, you know, it's like I, I remember being shocked when that came back. Like uh-huh. when like your capacity to like connect as with I, people as so. I did the work to start building this spiritual thing I didn't understand and you get invited to things it was like wow right, well and you know like <laughs> and I can feel you exactly I can be in the room with you and I can feel that you're here mm-hmm. and like I always tell a story like my whole life since I'm a teenager people have said what a, what a pretty day and I always went who cares like why are you talking about the, I don't understand I like it when it rains and and <laughs> And then one day, about 10 or 11 months sober, I'm driving my car, and I look out the window, and I have this thought, what a beautiful day. And I had to pull over because what the heck just happened? Wow. And I realized I can feel the beauty of the day. Yeah. And I can feel the people walking down the sidewalk. And it's like, apparently, I'm not connected to the planet. And then recycling began to make sense. (laughs) Oh, I live here. Maybe I shouldn't treat it like a trash can. (laughs) And that's beautiful. That's beautiful, Chris. And it it reminds me how compellingly— recovery shows up as a connection with the world and with the environment with everyday experience all of a sudden starts to look like it's a sacred process that's very very powerful the relationship between our spiritual health and our capacity to connect is really uh, important to me I, I engage it as an inquiry every day uh, I don't want to take it for granted. That, that is to say, I don't want to take my capacity to connect with others for granted. I think there are a couple of illusions that we live inside of in our society. One is that everyone has the power of choice, and the other is everyone has the power to connect. And I think neither is should be taken for granted. And and I think, you know, a hundred years ago, there were a lot of structures in society that by their nature fed my spirit and kept me in good spiritual health. Yeah. And over the last hundred years, the sort of the accidental byproduct of the pr- progress of Western culture, is all of those things have gone away. Every generation has become slightly more self-focused. We'll call it self-focused. So it's yeah. not to be pejorative, but, uh, and, and and now it's like, I mean, families didn't fall apart because society became more mobile. They, they fell apart because five people thinking about themselves in a house is easy to walk away from because it doesn't feed me anymore. Right. You know? And yeah. we have had several clients that uh, were, were coming up on a break that, you know, you think something is like THC, uh, vaping, uh, marijuana is so, you know, harmless. It's legal in several areas and things. And for some, maybe that's a casual thing, but when you are 
an addict, when you are struggling with addiction and it becomes your entire life and you find you have been sitting in front of a video game console hitting a vape for 14 hours and your only connections are online to people you've never met, you know, that that brings in a whole different pattern of things today. But it's addiction. Because water seeks its own level, right? Like as my condition worsens, the only people I interact with are the people who are who I'm comfortable being around in my condition. Water seeks its own level. I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to use that. Yeah, so that's a really be. good. So it's like I don't see myself. Mm-hmm. It's why we don't like to go home for Thanksgiving, because then we see ourselves reflected in the eyes of a bunch of people who know better. <laughs> and we don't like the that way was I, uncomfortable. Or at least think they do. <laughs> well, well, they yeah. know what we look like when we're good. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I've met some of yeah, your sure. families, so yeah, yeah don't go exactly. Home <laughs> but, but, but you know what I mean? It's like we just operate in this bubble, and like everybody does drink and use like me, and I don't even know to ask a question. And yeah. and yeah, I mean, I always tell people like, I was talking to a bunch of people in a mental health primary facility, and and uh, and a lot of med substance use issues, and I told them like, look. You, maybe you're an addict, maybe you're not, but at any given moment, 99.9% of the people who are awake and moving around the planet are sober. Exactly. And if that freaks you out a little bit, plus you ended up in a facility, maybe you it, should, just shouldn't use. It, it, it's something to think about, certainly. We're coming up on a on a news break here in just a minute, and uh, you know we, we laugh and we make light of it, and I think part of that is uh, normalizing the conversation about it because – it is a deadly, deadly, deadly disease. It's a deadly disorder. And uh, when you add everything in, it's like 9-11 happening every seven, eight, nine days in this country. Over 10,000 people a month are perishing because of opioid overdose. We've got to do a better job of that. We're going to be right back here. I think we've got a break coming up right now, and uh, we're going to be back in just a minute. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And welcome back to the Recovery Hour. Uh, Mark Myers with Personal Responsibility Recovery. And of course, our host, Dr. Kirby Stewart. Uh, and our special guest, uh, Chris Gates. He doesn't have doctor in front of his name, but he looks like one. So, yeah, played I guess that's that, yeah, played one on played TV. One on that's TV. right. I was an amateur the, phlebotomist for several years. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think they call it a vampire, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the, uh, blood. <laughs> you know, we, we do kind of laugh and joke a lot, especially when Chris is here. Um, Chris has done a tremendous amount for the recovery community in the Austin area. Um, and, and is it also is just a great resource, uh, as are we. And, you know, we always say if you are, uh, if you think you have a problem, it's like always the last question on the assessment. Uh, are you answering this quiz because you think you have a problem with alcohol and drugs? If you get all the way down there to the 27 questions that talk about whether you're an addict, if you get to that one, really think about it. If you think you have a problem or someone has told you you have a problem, that's probably a pretty good indicator. There's there's not a lot of people who have that said to them that uh, there's not a little bit of reason behind that. Uh, we certainly welcome any calls, 512-836-0590. We uh, always want to help identify resources, not just our treatment center, but resources in the community, state-funded, private-funded. Uh, there's a lot of help out there, but you have to have a place to start because there's going to be that moment of clarity that we've talked about and a moment of, of being lucid and thinking, wow, this isn't working. What do I do? And when you wait for that moment to start doing any planning, 
a lot of times you're just jumping on the biggest Google ad, the guy with the biggest budget, um, and that may or may not be the right fit. Addiction treatment, as, as Dr. Stewart has pointed out several times, very specialized. There can be underlying medical disorders. There can be underlying depression, bipolar, things things that re, that, that a, a person or an individual is doing self-medication is what it's called. And that is so detrimental because you do the self-medication and then you drink on top of it and the effects of, of everything are just gone. And uh, it becomes a really vicious cycle. And you know, often that's where that's where we see folks on the on the beginning of a journey of recovery that we're talking about today, and and how much better those things get. And it's and it's funny. I was thinking about it. You're talking about asking for help, and we've it. been talking about the this the disconnectedness that we that people who get into substance use disorder and ultimately addiction, you know, this spiritual disconnection that leads me to be disconnected from everybody else and leads to really, really inescapable self-centeredness because I have this problem that I have to solve. And, uh, but like at this point in time, almost nobody in this country is more than two degrees of separation from somebody in recovery. Like somebody, you know, knows somebody, Yeah. but because I feel disconnected from everyone and because I know what it looks like to be a good person and I can't ever seem to do it because I don't understand the relationship between my spiritual health and my thinking and my actions. I have all this shame and guilt about what I've been doing. And, I, exactly. and it doesn't even occur to me that somebody around me has an answer. So if I'm lucky, maybe I Google. But somebody, if I'm just willing to go out and ask, ask somebody's going to, I mean, that's the challenge of my whole life. It's like, my job is not to fix my car. It's to ask all my friends who's the best guy to fix a car because I don't do that anymore. You know? Yeah. And, and yeah. But, but because of the disconnectedness and because of the shame and guilt around the behavior that I can't stop doing even if I want to, I don't reach out into my own network. I understand that addiction and substance use disorder affects over 70 million Americans a year, directly or indirectly, and that tw- at any given time, about 20 million of our population are would be clinically classified as having a substance use disorder. And, and you know, that, that's like when you add in everybody, one in five people are, are affected, and, and I certainly know more than five uh, or, or more than one in five in, in my little group. We uh, we do have a, a caller in that I'm going to bring in real quick. Um, let's let's uh, answer this. Hi, this is Mark with Personal Responsibility Recovery. You're on the air with Dr. Stewart. How can we help? Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. You, you said this is Mark. This is Jay. Hi. <laughs> hey, Jay. Um, so I, I was... Recently, you know, been trying to get a job, and I have found one. Unfortunately, I feel like it might be somewhat predatory towards uh, just people that are really needing a job. And I, while you're talking about the substance abuse, I, I do have my own issues with alcohol, but uh, that is not why I'm calling in. I'm, I'm more calling in about uh, being being on the job search and actually getting a job when it's kind of hard that these people are essentially hiring somebody like me who has a lot of experience in a lot of different fields and give me nothing. Okay. Well, except Jay. For, except for, uh, except for uh, 
menial pay or commission base, which I don't need commission base because I, I need a paycheck now. I can empathize with that, but Jay, unfortunately, I am... I am uh, pretty good with alcohol and substance use and uh, when folks need help, but the employment world is not a realm that I have any expertise in whatsoever. Uh, I do know Texas okay, so work. Maybe I can maybe I can rephrase my question like um, let's say uh, okay, I don't have a substance abuse problem, however, I got other issues and I Maybe I just lost my dad or something like that. Okay. People so have, people mental. Have okay. So um, mental illness and mental counseling and things like that. Communities for Recovery is a tremendous nonprofit that's out there. Um, there's also Atomic Souls. They are an amazing counseling for, uh, service. And Jay, what I'd probably encourage you to do is our website is personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. There is a contact us. And if you will go to that website, hit contact us and give us the information and, and things you want answers for, this is probably a conversation deeper than we can do right on the air. But I can assure you someone will get back to you through the, via that email and give you some referral sources for that. I hope that helps. Understood. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the call. We've got another Okay. Whoop. I'm sorry. Looks like we do have another call here, real quick, from Andy. Andy, you're on the air with Mark Myers and Dr. Kirby Stewart. How can we help? Hey there. I um, I kind of started to help a, a person who was uh, alcoholic, and he was quite amusing when I used to run into him, taking care of a property, uh, you know, and doing property maintenance. And I'd have him help me and stuff. And then I started to let, you know, his stories of how he was not being treated well, where he was crashing, you know, to the point where I had him in my backyard for six years, tried to make him go to uh, uh, recovery, which I started to like the recovery classes because I kind of saw that I was a codependent and also addicted to caffeine and rage attacks, you know. So anyway, after six years, I got off caffeine, but not before I stocked him in the chops and got a $1,500 assault charge and had to kick him out. So here's my question, and too much lead-up for the amount of time left, but I I got another guy heading south from Waco on a 105-degree day. He'd just been released from Georgetown Hospital for heat prostration, and basically, you know, his story is that he had 10 years in a group home where they were stealing you know, his money essentially and only giving him 60 a month out of his 914. And he'd been in a terrible car wreck, so he walked slowly and talked slowly. And, um, you know, I thought, well, this is a, a knockoff. All he wants me to do is be his payee and find him a place. So at this point, um, you know, I, I only had him in my place for two weeks, and that's all my wife would tolerate. And a Craigslist place came up. I got him there. Um, I paid him out of it. I became his payee. I paid the rent for him. Well, basically, kind of his story about having kicked alcohol and drugs 15 years ago. I'm not sure if it's true because he, he had to have massive quantities of, of coffee. Like he would go through, uh, he was addicted to caffeine like I was. He'd go through a whole instant coffee so, thing. And, and Andy, I'm going to. So, 
I'm going to make I, a suggestion. Yeah, I, way too much lead in. Yeah. But here's my point. I, I got him a regular place. He's pissed the people off. So I, I feel like I'm between a rock and a hard place because everywhere else that's a ministry says, have you been on the street for a year? So he's not. And then he's Andy, apparently. Andy, you know, so Andy, he's not your responsibility. So, so. Yeah, I, all right, I'm gonna bring. You talk I'm, yeah, I'm gonna break in here for just a second, okay? And I'm yeah. gonna, yeah. If you'll listen, yeah. we'll we'll give you. So when you've got someone who's on a disability and that type of thing, or on a limited income, Salvation Army is actually an amazing spot because it's based in spiritual growth. It's based in others. Uh, OSAR is state. Uh, it will have some different uh, options on that. And again, Andy, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up well, here, but yeah. I'm gonna encourage well, that you. one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to O S A R. Yeah, I'm going to encourage oh, you. Easy. I'm going to encourage you the same thing. Go to our website, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. Um, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. Fill out the contact page. Give us a brief synopsis of it, and uh, we'll be able to uh, send you some referrals that way. Because these things take a little bit of research for us. But yeah, you you as Chris said. Limit it to three years, not six. No, I'm 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 being facetious, and I'm sorry. Um, when you're trying to help someone, though, it it you have empathy and you have compassion, but you can't get in the way. I think Dr. Stewart, you've you've said several times, you cannot get in the way or in between someone and their consequences between yeah, an addict and their someone, consequences. If someone is struggling with mental illness or addiction. Uh, you're n- not going to be able to help them by trying to get in between them and the consequences of their disease. What you can do, however, is help them find uh, resources that will approach their disease in a more direct way than what you could ever do. Absolutely. We're I coming really up. appreciate your compassion. Thank, Thank you. you. Absolutely. We're coming up on a quick break. if you want to join us when we come back in just a minute. Providing professional opinions, resources, and guidance for addiction treatment every Sunday from noon to one. The Recovery Hour with Mark Myers. And welcome back to The Recovery Hour. We're actually every Monday from six to seven, Um, not every Sunday. So uh, don't, 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 don't join in on Sunday at noon. We're, we're not here, but we are here on Monday, six to seven. And if you're listening to the radio and you thought maybe it was Sunday at noon, it's not Sunday problem. at noon. No, you, you, you should. Yeah, that's true too. If, if you honestly believe it's Sunday right now at noon, give us a call. Um, but, uh, you know, five, one, two, eight, three, six, zero, five, ninety. Uh, if you do want to join the conversation, uh, Dr. Kirby Stewart, of course, here, uh, our spiritual director of our program, and uh, Chris Gates, who has just done a tremendous amount for the recovery communities in Austin as well. And uh, pretty lively topics today about a whole, whole bunch of things. And uh, Dr. Stewart, you had wanted to uh, ask Chris about, you know, Big Cool Life and what's going on and, and what well, Chris yeah. has been doing. Yeah, yeah, we've only got about 10 minutes here, and we have a call that's on hold. So, Let's, well, let's see where we are. Uh, let's take the call. Yeah. Uh, not quite teed up yet. Um, okay. And, and I'm still kind of an amateur at this, so you know I don't know why y'all look to me to control all this kind of stuff. But <laughs> there we go. We don't have the buttons. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, the, the whole thing we were talking about, though, that, that Chris was just talking about was 
you know, experimenting. And, and the reason these numbers are just, man, they're just going through the roof. And, uh, you know, Chris, maybe maybe elaborate on that a little bit, because it, it is different than when you and I, I mean, you know, well, yeah, 30, 30, 20, 30 years ago. It's you know, different. We, we peaked during the opioid epidemic. We peaked at about 80,000 deaths a year. And then for a number of years, it was going down every year. It was going down. Yep. And then the shift away from opioids and fentanyl started hitting the streets. And uh, there's a phenomenal book called The Least of Us by a guy named Sam Quinones. I really encourage anybody who's interested in understanding what's going on with fentanyl and meth and everything out there on the streets right now, please go read that book. But uh, because the people who are making the fentanyl don't, under, don't have the tools to actually mix it with the cut in an effective manner, you have no idea what you're actually getting. And this, the hundred, like, they literally, they're changing the language from overdose death to accidental poisoning around yeah. fentanyl because it's As literally. Well they should, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. in, the, in the old days, like, I'm an opiate addict. Like, half the people who accidentally overdosed, I don't know that it was an accident. No. You know, it yeah. was, like, I was careless. And if I died, okay, but I, I was afraid to kill myself. But if I didn't wake up, okay. But that's not what's happening It's now. not. It's not. And so young. 70% oh of the pills on the street are fake. And you have no idea what you're getting. And, and uh, I mean, the new meth is actually a disassociative rather than a euphoric. It's why they can mix fentanyl with it and nobody cares. And, and uh, like, the kids, like, I was just talking about a friend of mine's kid overdosed and nearly died. He took one Xanax that his buddy got from a friend. But it wasn't Xanax. And, you know, yeah. you can't experiment with this stuff. You have no idea what it is. And the people selling it don't care if you die. And so, you know. Fortunately, Texas has passed some stronger laws and things. Uh, very disappointed that House Bill 362, the fentanyl testing strips, did not get passed after Governor Abbott claimed he would uh, he would sign it into law and, and, and would sign it into law. But it didn't get out of the Senate. So hopefully that uh, reemerges as a bill because that will save lives. And it's just a... Man, you get into you get into all of these different areas, and and it's frustrating. And and that's I guess one of the purposes of the show is is we want to talk about substance use because people are dying that it really don't mean to, um, just quite accidental. And uh, not everyone that dies from an opioid overdose is uh, or accidental poisoning is an addict. It might be a you know, the, the high school kids that, that just try stuff. And, you know, I, I think, I'm not sure who said it, but someone on our show, Dr. Stewart, may remember, mm. you're never, ever, ever going to win the war on drugs from a supply side. We're that never going to, that was you. <laughs> We're never going to win that no, supply you, side war. We can't police our way out of this. You can't. And, you, you have to get the demand side. We have to get the demand down. And, you know, when you look at the numbers uh, most recently, uh, the percentages were somewhere between 5 and 8% of the people who meet the criteria for admission to treatment for substance use disorder are receiving treatment. So that 90 to 95 percent of the population who meet criteria, these are people who are sick, are not getting treatment. Now, a lot of those folks are not getting treatment because they're still in denial. And a lot of them are not getting treatment because they can't afford it or because they don't know how to get it. So that's one of the reasons for our radio show to reduce that number. 
I've got a call holding here from Jason. I'm going to pop this on. Uh, Jason, you're on the air with Mark Myers and uh, Dr. Kirby Stewart. How can we help? Hello. We're here. Oh, uh, how's it going? Oh, sorry. I got a uh, DoorDash for Ruth K. Um, yeah, I was calling because uh, I've recently moved to Austin, and and uh, I moved to Austin because uh, I was moving from the town I was in because I was addicted to Xanax real bad, and I didn't know. I didn't. I thought the best the best idea was just to move away from the source, you know. Okay. And, um, no, we're coming and, up a little bit short on time. So, how can we help? I, mean, I was just wondering, like, I, I keep, I just relapsed like a week, two weeks ago, and I've been out here for a year, and I, I just don't know, like, does that, does the relapse ever stop? Like, yes, I feel like I'm good. I feel like I'm addicted or anything, but sometimes I still have really bad like thoughts and stuff, and I just really want to, you know, go back and stuff. And I, I guess my drinking is kind of like taking over the Xanax problem now. That yeah. will happen. There are some really great support groups out there. Um, I'm going to recommend the same thing. Um, our website, which is personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. There's probably not enough time in two, three minutes left on our show, but please go to our website, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. Hit the contact page. Just put your name in there and put radio show need info. And one of our yes, staff sir. will get back with you. Does that, is that a fair deal? Yes, sir. You said personal response. Personal responsibility recovery dot com. Oh, okay. Oh, personal okay. responsibility recovery dot com. That's right. it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And don't right. use in the meantime, Jason. And don't. God knows what you're going to get. Uh, Daniel, you're on the air with Mark Myers and Dr. Kirby Stewart. We've got about a minute left in our show. How can oh, we yeah. help? Uh, I think uh, I think it was you. This is Daniel from Maynard. I thought you were going to send me, uh, call me after the show with some information that I was looking for. I received an email and thought we had that taken care of. If we haven't, I'll do it personally this evening. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. You got my email, right? I do. Yes, sir. I saw the contact, and my apologies that didn't get done. We'll take care of it. Okay. Thank Thanks. you for calling back. Okay, and we've got about a minute left into our show. Well, actually, about about two minutes, sir, maybe three. Well, let me, before we run out of time, I want to ask Chris what he's up to these days. And Beginning to make a shift. I'm getting ready to launch into something that I was told 20 years ago I should be doing, which is talking about my approach to spirituality and recovery for a living. Yeah. Um, I've, I am recovering from long COVID, so it's a slow climb, but... Hopefully in December or January, I'm going to start doing workshops. I've been talking to the folks at a place called Practice. It's a yoga studio in South Austin about doing a weekly workshop there. And I'm going to start doing some coaching and working with families. I've done some work with teenagers who are don't necessarily have substance use issues, but they're just having a really hard time functioning Yeah, and working with them on spiritual issues and 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 uh, working with their families to get them enough space. And I'm, I'm also starting to do a bunch of work with people who have two or three years of recovery but feel stuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. want to know what pretty else. Common. Pretty mm-hmm. common. Pretty you common. Know, and, and I'm pretty good at figuring it, help, helping people figure out what it, you know, 
Well, I know our guys absolutely, absolutely love it when you come out and visit with us at uh, at uh, our center. And, and you know, uh, I, have a, I have a website. It's bigcoollife.com. I love you know, that it's name. A, it's a mess right now, but we're rebuilding it. And in the, in the next few weeks, there will be much more resources on it. But bigcoollife.com. Yeah. com. Well, Chris, uh, thank you so much for everything that you do, man. And and you know, yeah. obviously, we want to see you out at the see you out at the ranch as much as possible. And thanks know, for having me. I, I'll come here anytime. I, you know, I like talking. So well, I may get you to do the show next Monday. I'm really tired. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so we've got about a minute left. And again, I always want to. Uh, always want to address the fact that the accidental poisoning, accidental overdose, the drug use, everything according to the CDC is just really, we've got to do a better job about it. We've got to do a better job destigmatizing, normalizing conversations, knowing when to raise your hand and say, I need help. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, to take a step back for a second that if you're thinking, oh, this addiction stuff doesn't apply to me because I'm not one of those guys overdosing and I'm not, I'm not living under a bridge and I'm not smoking all day long, whatever. Take another look at it, though, because your life is going to be affected by addiction long before you know it. It really is. Folks, we're going to be back next week, uh, Monday from 6 to 7 on KLBJ News Radio. Uh, we need a longer show. Thanks.